Hello and welcome to Hipcast from Hastings Independent Press. If you haven't heard, the big news is we're back in print. So after lockdown, obviously when everything calmed down and nothing was happening um, and no one was able to support Hip, um, we went to it online only. Now we're back in print. Um, If you don't know where to pick us up, um, have a look at the website. There's a list of cafes, colleges, and various other places where you can pick up a copy and print. We have a friends scheme. So if you want to support your local community um, independent newspaper, then you could consider becoming a friend of HIP with various benefits, including, as we will be announcing shortly, some prizes and things like that. And as well, we've got the weekly newsletter, which is great for being reminded of what's in HIP um, and the latest articles and bits of news and some places where Gary seems to like eating or buying shirts or whatever he might do. And today we've got something special. We've got um, a hipcast coming largely from Lisa Golden. Now, Lisa Golden is completely new to hip. She's just joined the multimedia team and we're really pleased to have her. She's been in Hastings St. Leonard's for all of a couple of months. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. Brand new. So just a couple of months um, and she's done work for Al Jazeera for HuffPost for The Guardian and others like that um, and special mention for her wonderful own podcast Storyteller with Lisa Golden which I'd highly recommend if you're interested at all in writing or reading or getting under the surface of stories. Lisa welcome. <laughs> Cheers thanks Ben thanks for having me on the on the hipcast. I guess my role is going to be to jump in and speak to the reporters from HIP from all the different sections so we can find out a little bit what's been happening over the last two weeks, you know, around the print editions. And yeah, it's a great way to sort of get a peek into what's going on in the paper. So, and I believe you're going to start us off this week with your traveler piece. That's right. Yes. Um, so my name is Ben Bruges, which I realized I forgot to mention at the top. <laughs> um, and I'm one of the two features editors. And, um, you know, we're always interested if you have a longer story, um, you know, a, a kind of sit down and read type story that's related to Hastings, do please get in touch. Could you start by just telling me about what brought the story to your attention? Um, yes, actually, it was brought to us by... Um, Mayor Evans, who's the Labour councillor who's just been re-elected, um, and Jake Bowers, who I previously knew anyway as a colleague at work, and I didn't realise that he was part of the traveller community. Um, and it turns out, actually, he's, he's somewhat of a, a national activist for um, the GRT, as we learn to call them now, um, Gypsies, Romanies and Travellers. Um, and actually, I thought that was quite interesting because I'd worked with him for a while. In fact, he helped hip with um, filming the hustings but yet I didn't know he was part of the traveler community and I think we we, we need to you know travelers aren't the traveler community isn't just a bunch of people in caravans and they don't look different and so on and we need to really think about our attitudes towards travelers and how a nomadic way of life can fit in with a more settled way of life Hmm. Um, and I think that's one of the things that you know, we would like to get over that the traveller community are very much part of British culture and have been for such a long time. Um, And then what happened was 
basically a small community of travellers came to visit Hastings. Now, Hastings prides itself on being welcoming to refugees, not racist, you know, that the demographic of the, the town is changing, we're being more diverse and inclusive. And I'm afraid that's not what happened um, to this traveller community. Um, someone shot bull bearings at their um, caravan, mm. one of the caravans smashing the windows and scaring the children. And within a couple of days, there were two campaigns on Facebook to get them kicked out of town. Police moved them on, then the police moved them on again, and so on. And we really need, as a community, to think a little bit more about our attitudes and how we're welcoming different groups of people that just happen to have different lifestyles. Um, so anyway, Mayor Evans, who's just recently been re-elected as Labour councillor, was um, introduced to them by Jake, and she was moved so much by it that she wrote us an article. So I would strongly recommend that um, you have a little read about that. And maybe we all need to think about our own attitudes and approaches. Cheers, Ben. It sounds like a um, really interesting story. And um, the photos are, are gorgeous as well. So I'd recommend everyone jump in and just learn a little bit more. Okay, cool. So shall I take it from here, Ben? Over to you, Lisa. I'm really looking forward to this hip cast. <laughs> Cheers. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Next up, I spoke with theatre director Patrick Keeley about his new solo show, What's Next for Theatre Nation, and how the pandemic has changed how he defines what theatre is for. Hi, Patrick. Thank you so much for joining us on the HipCast. Hi, Lisa. Could you start off by telling us a bit about your show, your, your solo show that's coming up, The Life and Times of Archie and Metabol? Uh, yeah, sure. So it's based on uh, the writings of wonderful uh, American humorist. Uh, Don Marquis, and he wrote a, a kind of series of poems based on the life and adventures of principally two characters, Archie and Mehitabel. And Archie is a cockroach, and he yeah. lives in an apartment in New York. We're talking New York's jazz age, New York in the frantic, fun 1920s, yeah. before all the crash. And then Mehitabel is his best friend, and she's an alley cat. And um, Archie, of course, is this very jaundiced, uh, he was a, a bad poet and he ended up getting reincarnated into the body of a cockroach. So he has a lot of very sour and funny and witty observations to make about um, humans and, and the madness and stupidity of human beings and their follies and and the poems are just very very funny and he just meets a whole variety a whole gallery of other characters and and Mahitabel in the meantime is just constantly getting pregnant and having litters of kittens and 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 she thinks of herself as this artist or artiste like she says I'm a dancer Archie Uh, but she keeps getting kittens And, and and so her her career keeps getting stymied so it's just terribly funny and on the way Archie often has these interesting encounters. So it's it's wonderfully wicked and satirical and very funny. Yeah. And and it gave me an opportunity to to show off basically. So I get to play about 20 different characters, do lots of different accents. And and it's also I'm a frustrated clown. So I do it's quite physical as well because yeah. I love physical action and 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 theatricality. Yeah. And can you tell tell us a bit about how um, Theatre Nation adjusted to the challenges of of COVID, and maybe if there's any lessons you learned from it now that we're coming out the other side of it? 
hopefully. Fingers crossed. Oh, good question. Yes. <laughs> well, I think just before COVID, we were about to tour um, production of Waiting for Godot, which we'd rehearsed in London. We were about to open it at the White Rock Theatre down here for a couple of nights before taking it on tour around 15 venues in the south of England. It was Arts Council funded and it just died the day. Mm. Obviously, we couldn't uh, do that. Um, so that was a bit of a came to you know the company came to a bit of a shuddering halt while like the entire world we started to think about what next and I had a rethink about what is the theatre company for and I, I thought really what we need to very much concentrate on is I actually came up with a new really description of our company which we put on all our publicity now which is community, creativity, collaboration. And I felt those three words were really central now to what we had to be thinking about so that anything we did had to in some way be embedded in the community or contribute to the community that we live in. And Hastings is such a wonderful creative community Mm. uh, with so many great um, creative practitioners in, in, in so many areas. And so I felt that was really important. And I also felt collaboration was the only way forward that, you know, the days of just struggling on on your own, it just wouldn't work. We're, we're going to rise and fall together, I think, in the arts in general. And and those of us individually who are trying to still make work and be creative, uh, we need to look for ways to collaborate with venues, with other organisations. And th- so that's what we started doing. And, and we've created this uh, wonderful collaboration with David Glass Ensemble, who have an international reach they they do work all around the world with their artistic director david glass who's an extraordinary theater director theater maker and workshop leader and we brought his creative practice workshop to hastings in the autumn to work with creative practitioners down here that was a big success that went on for a week at the stables theater with whom we're also Mm. uh, developing uh, i think a good relationship and it's wonderful to have uh, the stables also very, very supportive. Neil Salmon, who runs Stables, has been incredibly supportive uh, to companies like mine, small companies like mine during COVID and during lockdown. Yeah, immense. That's great. I'm immensely grateful. I think we all learned that we have to work together, that the only way through is going to be everyone sticking together. Okay, great. So the people of Hastings are excited. They're ready to get back into the theatre so they can come see your show. And can you tell them a bit about anything else that's coming up? Oh, cool. Yes. So uh, in addition to Archie, um, can I mention to the ladies and gentlemen and and, uh, kids listening, uh, it's very, very funny and it's suitable really for anybody from the age, I would say, of about 10 upwards. So, yeah, it's a delightful, delightful piece. Just a great entertainment. I call it satirical uh, with bite and claws. (laughs) And um, so next we're going to do a pop up event, which we're really excited about. Um, It came around because we were really shocked at the government's announcement that they were planning to slash uh, funding for provision for the arts in education in schools mm. and colleges. We thought a terrible, terrible time to be doing that when the arts is already suffering so much. And and also when, um, I don't want to get too political, but when they were being essentially taken to court for squandering billions of pounds that they'd been funneling to all these companies during COVID, it just seemed a terrible, terrible um uh, hypocrisy so we were quite um mm. inactivated by that and so we decided to do a pop-up event and it's called art on fire we thought something a little bit provocative and, and we're going to interview a number of interesting creative practitioners who uh, live in and around hastings um film them make a, a a film come up with a film which we're then going to show 
at the Stables Theatre on uh, Wednesday, June the 2nd. Uh, it's an evening uh, event, 7.30. We're going to show that film, have a Q&A with ourselves, the team, myself, Sam Sharples, filmmaker, and Francis Viner, a wonderful director. And we're going to have a Q&A and then open it out to a discussion forum uh, with an invited audience, uh, whoever would like to come and discuss, really, what is happening with the arts? How is the arts going to respond both to the world we now live in and also the political climate we also live in? And art has to adapt and and be flexible and respond to the times we live in. So we thought art on fire because we're taking the temperature of the times and we want to speak to all creative artists and people who love art and who are inspired by art in any field, whether it's visual art, music, theatre, performance. Um, and yes, it felt like, because Hastings is such a remarkable creative town, it felt like this was a great place to have that discussion with a wide range of really interesting creative practitioners. So yeah. we're very excited about that event. It's also free and we're asking for donations on the door. Okay, fantastic. Okay, great. And and I'm sure everyone can find all the details for that online and it will be in your piece that will be in, in HIP. Yeah. Okay, great, Patrick. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the HIPcast. Absolute pleasure. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you for the invitation. Thanks again to Patrick. You can find the details for his show at theaternation.org and look out for his article in the next print edition of HIP. From the theatrical stage to the political one, I spoke with our news editor, Hugh Sullivan, about the election of the first Green councillor in Old Hastings. So, Hugh, you wrote about Julia Hilton um, for your, your piece in the paper this week. Could you tell me a little bit about her? Right, well, she's the Green candidate for Hastings, for Old Hastings, um, which is Hastings' old town. And there, there were two wards because there are two elections. One was for the county council and one is for the borough council. Um, and she stood in both and she won in both. When I uh, drafted the piece, I called her the Green Party leader, but she corrected that and says, no, she's not. She's just a winning candidate. Winning candidate. Okay. And what did you learn from talking to her? Why is she? Why should we be excited about her, I guess? Uh, because she's the first Green uh, councillor on either East Sussex County Council or Hastings Borough Council um, there's ever been. If someone is relatively new to Hastings, like someone like me, would you mind giving like a very brief sort of context for for why she's the first green like who's historically normally more dominant in old hastings so the council both at east sussex and in hastings has changed in composition over the over time once upon a time um the liberal democrats were the biggest party in hastings now they barely exist they didn't get any seats at all labor has controlled the council for the past well, decade and a half, let's call it that. And they, as the absolute majority, they control everything um, mm. on the local council, that's the borough council. Equally, in East Sussex, Conservatives control everything. Yeah. Um, but a candidate from a third party, uh, neither Labour nor Conservative, may 
come in with some fresh ideas and be able to at least to put in a different kind of voice. And I see she uh, called herself an activist outsider. Could you tell me a bit more about that? Uh, <laughs> that's her words, not mine. I think that just means that she's in Hastings. If you want to get things done, on the whole, you do it, don't do it through the council. Uh, you do it through community groups, through activism, either yourself or with like-minded people. And that's how things get done on the whole. So I think she's been doing that in recent years. Okay, good. Well, thank you, Hugh. I think that's all we'll need on the story. And we will catch up with you probably in another episode for more of your news stories. Uh, well, thank you, Lisa. From politics to food. I don't know about you, but lockdown made me even more aware of the tremendous amount of waste one household can produce simply from the weekly grocery shop. I caught up with food and drinks writer Stephen Short after he tried out a zero waste delivery service that has just started in Hastings. He tells us about how it all works and how it may actually bring us closer to an older way of doing our grocery shopping. So Stephen, you're going to tell us today about the zero waste delivery service Roots and Hoots. So I used to live in Brighton many years ago, and um, there are a couple of zero waste supermarkets in in the town where you sort of take your own bag and you wear, you wear your own rice and cereals and things. Interestingly, I didn't know Shiv and I didn't know Shiv's supermarket Kindly, which opened literally on the street I used to live in, but long after I'd left. So um, I heard about Kindly, which is a supermarket, and then I heard that they were delivering to Hastings having had requests from Eastbourne. Now, I don't know about you, but there are two of us in our household and the amount of recycling that we produce is terrifying. Yeah, got the same situation, yeah. Mostly it's wine and gin bottles, but also just (laughs) plastic and so much paper uh, that I thought when when we saw that um, Hoots and Shoots and Hoots were delivering, we thought we'd give it a go because we eat a lot of rice, we eat a lot of quinoa, we eat a lot of nuts and cereals and things. It just seemed like uh, very kind of uh, the stuff that we would need. So I contacted Shib or Shib's people um, and they told me a bit more about it. And I think it's a really interesting uh, brand idea. I mean, he kind of said that he was he noticed that every time he came, went to the supermarket, he came back with more and more recycling. And then, mm. funny enough, he also says that he saw an episode of Blue Pla- Blue Planet where there was, I think it was a turtle trapped in some rubbish, and he realised that something needed to change. So that's how mm. he did. That's how he sort of decided his business. And then he said that people were coming into into the supermarket, but I'm sure about how to buy things because we're so used to things being packaged. That yeah. if you go and just see a wall of rice or a wall of like cereal, you just think, oh, God, what am I meant to do with this? So he said that he was getting quite a lot of requests from people if to for kind of to if they could deliver pre-packaged stuff or not pre-packaged but kind of quantities. Yeah. And he that he realised there was a demand. Also, people didn't want to lug big bags of rice and big bags of sort of cereals and products and cleaning products and stuff home. And so he trialled it in Brighton and it went so well through word of mouth that he started getting requests from Eastbourne and then obviously he kind of thought it was a kind of, kind of product that would be good in Hastings and so decided to come over. 
Okay, great. And could you tell us a little bit about your order that you arrived? Like, how did it all? How did you do? You pick it on a website? Like, how does it all go yeah, through? Yeah, so you go online. Um, I mean, if so, if you've never been to a zero waste supermarket before, it's worth going in and just checking one out because you sort of get an idea of what they sell and how you can buy it. Um, but you just go onto their website and it's all divided by sort of cupboard um, store cupboard stuff, which is all your rice and your quinoa and your grains and things. Um, cleaning products and beauty products so you sort of just go through and it's slightly tricksy in that you have to order things like rice per I think it's either 50 or 100 so you kind of need to know what you quantities you need and you just sort of add increments um, it's fairly easy uh, so they've got quite a wide range so you just sort of put together your essentials press send and then they give you a delivery slot Nice. And I mean, are you seeing um, products like this or services like this becoming more and more popular in Hastings? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, part of it is a pandemic. You know, we're all so used to kind of ordering everything to be delivered. That, um, yeah. That, I think that's really helped. Also, I think the fact that lots of people don't, I mean, it's changing slightly now, but lots of people weren't particularly comfortable going to supermarkets. For yeah. Reasons. Um, and if you're interested in, you know, if, like us, you realise that, we just produce the most amazing amount of crap. And actually, mm. it's really good to reduce that. So all the all the grains come in bags. Um, all the uh, nuts and things all come in cotton bags. So it's, uh, re it's recycled. They come and collect once you've finished. Everything, um, cleaning products and, and sort of uh, body washes and things come in glass bottles, which they will then also come and collect. So it's a real sort of 360 operation. They bring it to you, you use it, and then you give them the waste back. Amazing. Um, I think, I mean, I do think, you know, if you're slightly environmentally aware, anything you can do to reduce um, the impact on the planet is good. It's also surprisingly reasonable priced. You know, like some kind of delivery services really charge you a premium. It, yeah. I mean, I, our first order was 50 quid, and we got loads of rice, loads of quinoa, uh, loads of cereal stuff, cleaning stuff loads of brazil nuts which is really weird because i don't know if you know there's, there's been a global brazil nut shortage so i don't know where they were oh, really? um and it just they they phoned the day before or they emailed the, the day before saying that we had a delivery slot and then phoned about 20 minutes before they arrived arrived fully ppe'd up so kind of just left the box on the doorstep and stepped away um and now i need to arrange for them to come and pick, pick up the bags Awesome. Well, great. Well, thanks for testing it out for all of us. Um, and I'm sure people will be able to, they, their website and their Instagram is at the bottom of your article, which is great. on the HIP website. I know one thing I do actually, just a funny thing from Shiv, I asked him why he called it Roots and Hoops. And he said that he wanted to go back to the roots of shopping because um, it's like in the continent, housewives or in, so traditionally in the past would go to market with a sort of tote bag and buy what they needed for the day. And he said he really wanted to get back to sort of that traditional way of shopping. And the hoots comes from the fact that he wants to hoot about it. Which quite he wants to hoot about it. <laughs> That's sweet. Oh, lovely. <laughs> We're rounding out this week's edition of the podcast with a short clip of a conversation between Gareth Stevens and the cartoonist Paul Sample, creator of the cult classic Ogri. You can find the full article in the latest edition of the paper or on our website. Gonna have a quick chat with Paul Sample, who was the creator of the, uh, the the cult character of Ogri. You obviously must have had one of the longest running 
comic strip jobs in the world from Byte magazine. 37 years, isn't it? That it was, uh, Something like that, yes. Yeah. yes. So can, well. can you remember how when Ogri first came into your mind? Uh, yes, it was actually an exclamation in a sketchbook back in 1966, 60, no, earlier than that. Wow. 65, a little strip cartoon with this character called Ogri in it. And he looked more like Thor out of the, the Marvel comics with the, with the wings and that. And so it was an exclamation. Mm. And I thought, right. And then I, when I bought a motorbike, my first motorbike, which was some BMS 7, I started doing a strip cartoon, but it was called Rorgan Morgan. Okay. And then it developed into the Ogri character and Ogri. And it was uh, George and Ogri, was his, his sidekick, was George, who was uh, based on uh, Captain America, but he wore oh, the, 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 the English flag rather than the American flag, yeah, and a complete yeah. prat. <laughs> and, uh, so then he developed into a, did a strip cartoon with Malcolm riding the motorbike and Ogri on the back drinking his bottle of brandy or Nuki Brown, whichever it was he was drinking at the time. Mm. And uh, this was based on a true story of my first experience on a motorbike, whereby I'd be riding, no, same experience, when I had a Rocket Gold Star, going along the motorway, and I'm doing, first time I'd done 100 miles an hour on a motorbike, and uh, I suddenly heard these, these tinkling noises and all these, all these noises from the engine. I'm thinking, shit, something's going to break. And so, on and so, on. so I just shut down the throttle and, and yeah. stopped and thought, no, 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 no. Take it easy, take it easy. But that was the basis of the first Ogre Strip cartoon, mm. was riding a motorbike and hearing all the noises and, and panicking and all that. Mm. And that's how the Malcolm character developed. And Ogre was always the character, the biker that you wanted to be. Whereas Malcolm was the biker that you mostly were when you first started out. Yeah. And that begs the question, Paul, is how much is Ogri based on you or on how much is it what, how you see yourself? Or I suppose he's the character I'd like to be, I suppose. Yes. No, he's, he's a very strong mm. character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Honest. Yeah. And he... And he cuts through things, doesn't he? I mean, obviously, there's, you know, it's it's quite plain to see that he's kind of anti-establishment. Uh, yes. And, yeah. and, and obviously, cynical bastard. I'm a, I'm a, I've been called a cynical, cynical old bugger. <laughs> so, yeah, so as odd reason yeah. reflects that. Well, there you go. The origins of Ogri. That's it for this edition of the Hastings Independent Podcast, the Hipcast. As Ben mentioned at the top of the show, there are many ways you can find us. The print edition is available across Hastings. If you haven't spotted them yet, you can find a list of places you can find them on the website. As a reminder, that's hastingsindependentpress.co.uk. On the contact page of that website, you can see all the different sections, who, anyone you might want to get in touch with. But if you've got any thoughts, questions, comments, ideas for the team, you can always get in touch on info at hastingsindependentpress.co.uk. If you are a millennial like myself, you might enjoy HIP's social media offerings. So you can go and find us on Instagram at Hastings Independent or on Facebook at Hastings Independent Press. 
I recently made a video for the team on Georgie Wheeler, a local artist. So if you want to head down there and give that a watch there, it was lots of fun to make. And we also have a really wonderful weekly newsletter, which arrives in your mailbox every Sunday and gives you a great overview of the stories that the team is covering. So have a great week. We'll be back in your ears with the next episode of The Hipcast in two weeks.